The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. This is The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you with thanks to TierlawnFarmLife.com. You're very welcome to The Farm Show. On the programme this evening, we'll be wondering why... Uh, Tipperary has been foisted with large parts of rural Kilkenny. I wonder what the poor tip people ever did to deserve that. We'll be talking about that later on. We had hoped to have it at the top of the programme, but problems with phones means we're starting with another topic, and that's uh, Terry Carroll uh, about an event happening uh, next week in Kildalton College. So we have a, a beef event, as you said, Matt, there. It's Friday of next week, the 8th of September, uh, in Kildalton Agricultural College at 2.30 in the afternoon. We're trying to cover all angles <laughs> concerned with beef farming. So it's based on looking at Kildalton Sukter herd and the way that's progressed over the last 10 years. And to have a superb herd there and their genetic merit has increased hugely over that period of time. But, you know, uh, not everyone is sucking. So we want to also look at the beef end of things and tree stands out in the fields, looking at the cattle and talks there on the financials and uh physical attributes that the herd have gained over the years. And then uh, we're also looking at cattle budgets for the winter ahead uh, and for next year. We do have them every year to plow match. We'll have them a little bit earlier this year for people at the Kildaughton event. And we have someone there to speak on the whole market outlook on beef. So that's what's out in the field. And then we have a huge array of stands in in the yard. Just stay with the suckler herd for a moment, Terry, because that, that genetic merit improvement over 10 years from 71 euro to 131 euro, for, 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 forgive my lack of in-depth knowledge, does that essentially mean that all, all things being equal, there's the potential to have another 60 quid in your pocket uh, in the margin yeah. from, from, from each cow? Yeah, absolutely there. And it's huge effort and worked up for him. But by And look, at we have farmers around Kenny and Waterford that have similar super figures like that as well. And it's all about, you know, picking your cows and picking your bulls and, you know, the whole Eurostar system there. And it's there with the SKEP scheme that's out at the moment. And, of course, we'll be covering that SKEP scheme and the beef welfare scheme in huge detail at that Kildaughton event as well. But it's it's doing those things. And, and it just shows that if if you follow the stars, for want of a better word, profitability will follow it there. And, and it's that's why we, 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 we're delighted to display the suckler hair down in Kildaughton. Sometimes people go to farm events and don't see stock, which is wrong. So we're definitely showing stock there uh, on on some of those stands out in the field there, both the cows and the progeny there, and people can look at the stock themselves with the figures on the board to to back it up. Now there's a lot of practical stuff out in the out, out in the fields at, at Kildalton on the day, Terry Grass and MP NMP management, and, and there's a lot of grass out there this coming autumn. It's important that's managed well. Look, a lot of grass is brilliant to see. Like, I mean, it's been a, I would say a tricky grass year, Matt, as you know yourself, June with the drought and then that terrible wet July into August. So tricky grass year. We're certainly getting a big quantity of grass there now on farms for some people. Uh, that will mean, you know, extra silage to be made for some people to want extra silage because they're down in silage. But yeah, the management of it is important. You know, the quality of that grass should maintain fairly good. So you, you can go into 
heavier covers now than maybe it has to do earlier in the year. But look, at it's to have a plan in place, try and go to some of your heavier covers first there, maybe before they get maybe too heavier to, to get better graze outs. And look, we'd often say you're probably on dry farms. You should start closing paddocks from around about the 10th of October, thinking of an early spring turnout. And with our farms, you, you know, you're, 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 you're around that dates as well. They're maybe a bit earlier. So they're the things you must keep in mind. Have a plan in place because otherwise if you, if you don't, you'll end up finding that you either didn't get ones grazed out that you wanted to or you ran over things too quickly. It's been difficult to get a wilt to get those uh, bales made or pit silage. But I, I noticed up in Muckalee there now a couple of nights ago, I was up there that uh, I saw three different fields with, with freshly baled silage in them. So people are taking the opportunity where they can if grass gets ahead of them. Ah, yeah. Look, it's been a snatch and grab. But I think like, the, way, the forecast for the, the coming weekend, Matt, there. For those that aren't at the electric picnic, the forecast seems to be quite good there from sort of tomorrow onwards. So I, I, if that forecast is right and holds there, there should be a great chance uh, early next week there or over the weekend there for people to make that silage. Look at, I mean, we'd be saying for bales there, sure. If you mow it, try to mow it dry in the middle of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're probably maybe grass, particularly with clover in it, you might need to leave it down two nights there as such. Or if it's one night, you definitely want to spread it out and ted it. So look at it. It, it takes a couple of days to get the bales together, but look, it's great to be getting to make that high quality material and it is high quality material. So, uh, what, what you want get to gray is definitely get off the field with bales. And I don't think anyone ever complains about, uh, having too many bales or very few do anyway. Yeah, you mentioned electric picnic. I don't know about you, Terry. I'll probably give it a skip. I'll I'll wait to visit Rathaniska later in September for the. Tell me, I'm too old to win. So I could say to you there, Matt. Uh, uh, just afraid I forget to say it. Uh, uh, another very, uh, I think, useful demonstration on the day in Culloden is we have uh, Dawn Meads will be there, and there's going, going to be a factory assessment of some cattle there. It's always something the farmers like to see. And, you know, you always prefer the factory people maybe doing the assessment sooner than ourselves or whatever. So we have a factory assessment of a handful of cattle there and they can give their verdict on what animal is fit or not fit or what more should be done in animals. So that's something of us very useful. That could be in the yard area as well. We'll have a couple of those demonstrations throughout the afternoon. But basically, we're trying to start at half two, probably keep it as maybe one big group unless the crowd gets uh, into situations that we have to have a couple of groups and, you know, half two to half three, you get around the three stands out in the field. And then it's a huge array of information on schemes and organics and forestry and demonstrations on spreading pro urea, slurry equipment. All those items will be on in the yard area at Kildarton College. And equally useful is that there's going to be a complimentary food there for people as well. Oh, very nice. I, I noticed with the dawn meats, they'll have they'll have as you said, they'll have heifers for, for slaughter, and they'll have Frisian uh, um, Angus crosses, uh, bulls for slaughter. Bulls have always proven to be a little bit tricky in terms of you. You need to have a, mar- a, a definite market before you go down that road. Ah, uh, yeah, and I mean, look at as was the factories have been saying that all along as well. Look at it's it's a high cost system. I know certainly. This year, some farmers have been looking at those maybe freezing bulls and saying to themselves, these animals aren't as efficient maybe as those coloured animals. And, you know, there's a trope question marks about the feasibility of them with, with, with meal. Like meal is, I don't know what, we're, we're, we're putting meal in a 330 euro ton in our budgets. Look, if a farmer is buying it for less brilliant and if some farmers are buying it for more, 
that that eats in on, on, on the profitability. But look, uh, bulls, they're an efficient animal. They're gone quick over over farm. Uh, and that all helps in the bigger picture of, of climate actions and that. But uh, absolutely, the factories will be forced to say, look, don't set out in that there without talking to them and, 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 and have an outlet. Because we've seen years ago when, when things get tricky, like the bulls are the first thing that maybe get the wrap. But look, there's some superb bull producers out there and they wouldn't dream of going on the other system. You mentioned Don Meach and you'll also have Board B there. I presume both of those representatives will be... Uh, contributing to the profitability and market outlook session that you're running. Yeah, look at the, 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 the probably the final speaker out in the field is, is Joe Burke from Borbia, and Joe will be, you know, they're very tuned into the markets as well. He'll be given a, a short assessment. Now we're keeping the whole thing as well short and snappy out in the field. No one wants to be at a stand for 25 minutes. So we're saying. The stands will be 15 minutes, so Joe will be maybe five minutes there in that third stand, given his views of the market, and he'd be very tuned in. And then should we have the dawn personnel around the yard there, and people are, can talk to them and, and see what they're saying. Look, at the thing has been was tricky all summer there. It's been a, a strange summer, both from a grass point of view and I suppose from a beef price point of view. Prices start coming down from the end of April, so... Looks a bit of stability at the moment, but uh, you know people are making decisions now for this coming winter, next spring, next autumn, and and you'd like some sort of a guideline, even though often it's hard to get. There's no one going to write down an exact price for you, but you, you need to get some sort of feel of it because there's an awful a lot of money, a lot of risk going into this, and farmers' livelihoods here at stake. Even those cattle bought in the spring now at prices that were prevailing then and. Uh, finishing perhaps in the coming months after after a summer of grass, going to be difficult to make a margin there, Terry. Ah, uh, it is, Matt. Absolutely. And listen, we're not saying like uh, uh, there's no point in saying them cattle were too dear in the spring. The reality is the person selling them mightn't have had a whole lot of money either out of it. So the cattle were the price to wear. I suppose the disappointing is that the factory price has has not lived up to expectations. Uh, is probably the reality. Um. Uh, and yeah, look, as, as it stands there, it's going to be very hard to see a margin for some of those, uh, you know, cattle that were bought in the springtime. And even at present, like cattle are a very good, uh, trade in the marts. And, 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 you know, people again buying it there. And, and, and that's where you want some sort of guidelines. It's terrible to have to be just taking the punt in the dark. This is too serious of an enterprise to be doing that and too much money tied up in it. So. Look, I don't know. We don't have the solutions either, Matt. Uh, the, the cattle in the spring, it, it's hard to see how they can leave money with the prices that are there at present. That, that's probably the reality. That's happening on Friday, the 8th of September, starting at 2.30 in Kildalton College. Yeah, we hope that though you'll be the field will be done in a little over an hour. But listen, there's so much stuff in the yard. You could spend hours and hours in there. And we will have seating there for people to want to sit down. So I think... In, in a nutshell, I'd be saying there's probably an hour outside and there's at least an hour in the yard. And I think when people get into the yard, they lose the run of time. There's so many superb stands there and everything there that's relevant to beef. And even things not like there's a, on energy saving, there's, there's Barry Castling to cover that thing. We've organics there, we've forestry. So look at the yard could be the best part of this walk, I would say. So, uh, you know, and there's no big walk and that walk for for once. So the actual stands will be right adjacent to that yard. So when you're finished in the field, it's literally two minutes and you're in the middle of the yard there. Get your burger, tip around a few of the information stands and 
past the evening. And have a chat, and that's important too. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Terry, thanks very much for that chat with you. Take thanks, care. Matt. Thank you. Now for our next chat, and on the basis that it's my birthday, anything that can go wrong probably will go wrong, but I hope I'm, I'm joined on the phone, on WhatsApp, by John McGuinness TD. John, are you with me? I am with you, Matt, yeah. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you very much, and uh, apologies <laughs> apologies for the delay. Um, we won't ask you to report your age. You're sounding young and chirpy what, anyway. Whatever so. you guess, uh, you better add a good deal of that to it anyway. Uh, that would be a percentage <laughs> there. John, I, I, at the top of the programme, I mentioned that Tipperary were being foisted uh, with large chunks of rural Kilkenny for whatever sins the Tipperary people may have been committed. What exactly, first of all, is involved? Well, I, I, I'd say that the people of North Kilkenny are wondering what sins they committed <laughs> to be uh, to be dislodged and put into Tipperary. But um, the commission, uh, which is independent, uh, drew up the new constituencies. Uh, it's a foregone conclusion. The decision, uh, you know, has been made. Uh, it'll be ratified um, by the Dáil because. The politicians before uh, did it within the department. It now is done by an independent commission uh, because it was felt that there was too much interference there and too much gerrymandering. So in this particular shake-up of constituencies, Kilkenny has lost 6,500 votes from roughly Freshford, Tullerone, all the way up along, taking in the Stony, uh, right up to the Tipperary uh, border. And that 6,500 will now be voting for... Uh, candidates from the uh, Tipperary constituency. Uh, now, I've served this constituency since uh, I was first elected in, in 97, and um, I'm very grateful to those that supported me from that area, and I will continue uh, to service them, even though they're not in my constituency. I gave a commitment that I would serve Carlo and Kilkenny, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. But unfortunately for them, uh, they will now no longer be voting for Dáil candidates uh, from uh, Kilkenny. They will in relation to county council elections, but not Dáil elections. I've I've heard it, John, described as an appalling vista. I mean, I know this has happened previously, parts of, uh, even locally, parts of uh, East Carlow and West Wicklow, and now they're uh, chopping off bits of Wexford to make it fit in with Wicklow and that kind of thing, and it's, yeah. it goes on in other constituencies. But... Um, is there any appreciation of, of you know, Tullerone, Freshford, Liz Downey, heartlands of Kilkenny uh, being being cut off for the purposes of, uh, uh, of election? Well, we're told that the Commission had sleepless nights, is how they put it, uh, in terms of this particular um, divide. They breached the county boundaries, which they were not meant to do, as far as, as was practical. Uh, I don't know uh, how they arrived at the decision to put part of North Kilkenny into Tipperary, but I think it's a, a ludicrous uh, decision. Uh, I believe it will disenfranchise uh, the people that live in that area. A lot of them simply won't vote. Uh, that's what I. That's what they're telling me. Uh, they're also talking about you know engaging with the IFA and indeed uh, with the GAA uh, because passion runs deep up there on the Tipperary border as to the county that they are most proud of, which is Kilkenny. So when it comes to uh, club, community uh, and uh, individuals, it does run deep up there and the Commission showed no 
understanding um, of that. People there want to be in Kilkenny. That's where their services come from. That's where their clubs are. The oldest GAA club in Tullerone uh, is based there, and I just don't see any sense in it. Yeah, I happen to agree with you. In terms of, of, of distorting traditional voting patterns, what effect will it have? What, what, what effect could it have on you personally? You're, you're familiar with the ballot boxes running across North Kilkenny. Well, I usually got a, a good support from that area, uh, so naturally enough it will affect me, but it will also affect uh, the other political parties. Uh, going back in the decades, it was uh, the home ground, if you like, of the likes of Jim Gibbons, uh, and he would have got great support uh, from there. And then following on then, you know, Lee Miller got a good vote, Bobby Elwood and I got good votes there. So other political parties then, they will have had a share of those votes. So it will have, um, you know, an effect on uh, the outcome of of the um, turnout in Kilkenny. It will have effect on the outcome uh, of the voting support for the candidates that are vying for election. Uh, but apart altogether from that, as I said to you already, it's disenfranchising a large population of people. Uh, it's like as if they wanted to have um, a certain figure that they arrived at. They started at the boundary of Tipperary and Kilkenny, and they just kept on going back into Kilkenny until they reached the magic figure that they wanted, which was 6,500 people. And when you consider that section of Kilkenny is now attached to Tipperary and the Tipperary constituencies run right up as far as the Galway boundary. So it's it's quite a significant move for people that traditionally supported their parties and candidates from Kilkenny. Yeah, and, and tradition still counts for a lot. Um, in, 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 in terms of the, the, the constitutional mandate that they had to find populations to assemble enough TDs to represent, etc., etc. I don't, I don't criticise it on that level at all. But I, I do go back again, John, to the fundamental issue of loyalty and tradition, and uh, you, you know, an, an entire distortion of that. Yeah, well, county boundaries, Matt, should by their very nature be the defining line. In, in the basis of the, the constituency that you're forming. So the natural county boundary would have been Carlow and Kilkenny coming together, uh, not excluding that part of North Kilkenny. So I think a little bit more of imagination was required to start out this problem. And I think the Commission, while in general did a reasonable job, uh, they certainly uh, didn't. They abandoned the notion of a radical overhaul uh, for from now and for the future, uh, and that is what they said that they would do. That it would be a radical overhaul. It's it's not by any means a radical overhaul, and it has caused an awful lot of problems for a number of constituencies. There'll be many TDs now that will have to canvas areas that they never canvassed before, and then there are those like myself. Uh, that will miss the benefits of the support that I received there uh, over the years that I have been a TD. Uh, And, you know, people come to you as their local TD. And I, as I said to you, my door will remain open for all of those people, in spite of the fact that they're now moved to Tipperary. But I think it's essential in the interest of democracy that we service those people continuously uh, and that we assist the councillors from Kilkenny 
who will still be representing that six and a half thousand in Kilkenny County Council. So it's quite bizarre. Absolutely. Going back to the foundation of the state, I think when you mentioned radical, yes. not a radical overhaul, but a radical distortion of traditional boundaries. Uh, as I say, going right back to the, the first votes that were cast uh, uh, in, in, in the free state. John McGuinness, thank you. I think there's been a continuous connection to that area since something like 1948 or something like that. And then previous to that, it might have been a single constituency. Uh, but the case was made for two three-seaters, and I think that the Commission should have gone with that, or left us alone as a, as a five-seater. Uh, but look, the decision is made, people are really angry, and uh, we just have to get out and about now and explain it to them, which is what I will do. And then for me, continuing the service, I promise them. Thank you very much, John. Take care. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com Pat O'Toole of the Irish Farmers Journal, how are you? Hi Matt, I'm good. Um, yeah, um, listening with interest to the previous conversation, uh, uh, we previously here in the, I suppose, northeast corner, northwest corner of, of Wexford were shoehorned into Carlow Kilkenny for decades. Um, so I, I know how it feels and my sympathies go out to those people uh, in Kilkenny who are being shoehorned into Tipperary. It's the most obvious anomaly uh, in, in the entire country, to be honest. Uh, the constituency that I'm now part of, which I suppose is North Wexford, South Wicklow, makes some sense because, to be honest, the Wicklow uh, Wexford border is a soft border. I would describe the Tipperary Kilkenny border as distinctly harder. And uh, and I suppose the other thing is that the w- new constituency between Wicklow and Wexford uh, has significant numbers from both counties. Um, so it's it's not one county being, um, you know, given a small proportion of people from an, another county. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of noise about that. The local elections will probably precede the general election and the European elections uh, similarly uh, next June. And it may be that there will be severe punishment um, for government parties in the local election even though they've had nothing to do with this uh, people tend to blame governments for uh, for these kind of decisions uh, but I, I think it's it's the die is cast now I don't see a way back uh, in the short term No and John John McGuinness would concur with that this is the, the if not the diktat then the proposal from the electoral commission and it's going to it's going to stand otherwise what, what's the point in having an electoral commission my only my big gripe with it is that it, 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 it stands as if they have no understanding of, you know, loyalty and, and, and tradition and your, your, your place in a county, if you like. But there you go. Listen, um, down to other issues, Pat, um, your harvest is still not finished. No, far from it. Um, and lots of people's harvests uh, not finished. I think a lot of spring crops that are remaining now have got glyphosate because they're very dirty. Um, they, it's still only August, unbelievably. Um, we've had no real summer since that hot, droughty period, uh, which did interminable damage uh, to the corn. Uh, ironically, uh, the the one few weeks where we needed some rain was the one few weeks where we got none at all. Uh, I think that uh, quality is not getting any better. A very high proportion of barley is failing uh, in this part of the country. In the northwest, uh, where the summer has been more typical 
than uh, than it would have been in other country or parts of the country. Uh, there still is some barley of good quality passing for malting, um, but the reality is that farmers at this stage are just salvaging crops. Yields are poor, quality is ordinary and diminishing, and it's just a matter of get it out of the way and start for next year. Yeah, there are those who would cynically suggest that uh, the brewers, uh, the maltsters aren't too pushed one way or the other. I mean, they've got very high standards. If it doesn't reach it, even though that barley make perfectly good beer used to before they brought the standards up to that level, and they'll just buy it in, ready to go, no drying, no nothing, and, uh, you know, that's fine, import it. Well, Bort Malt are the second largest maltster in the world with significant footprint across uh, the continents. Uh, and they, yeah, they have the capacity to bring it in. But I suppose Bort Malt, this is the f- the first year really that Bort Malt have franchised out uh, the contracted assembly of barley uh, to merchants. So the merchants are probably carrying the can this year and Bort Malt are less concerned than they would be in another year. They they're at a remove from farmers. So I think that is true. Um, uh, in terms of the model company of Ireland, Dairy Gold and Turlon, I'm not sure. I, I would say that they would be pretty keen to get it in. But the reality is that, as you say, the end users um, have very high standards and uh, the, the danger for the uh, f- for the uh, co-ops that are that are buying barley, and and actually Axi Real are themselves who own Port um, Malt are a co-op a French co-op, but the the reality is that um, they have to meet those very high standards at the other end. And while there was a lot of nice talk on the day of the Malt Barley Awards, which I think we were both at earlier in the year between Guinness and Port Malt, it's the farmers and the merchants that are carrying the can at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, the, the, the furore over a, a grass lieback, uh, for, for grazing cover crops. That's, that's been, um, remediated. Thank goodness. People saw sense. Yes. I think, um, there was a very strong reaction to the rule, which only really emerged in the last couple of weeks that you needed a lieback for sheep, but that the lieback had to be grass. And initially it had to be hectare for hectare. And then last week the minister got on the pitch initially and he changed the ratio. So he only needed three hectares of lieback, grass lieback for seven hectares of cover crop. But of course, most cover crop is not adjacent to grass. Uh, so the fact that stubbles couldn't be used was a huge problem. But the bigger problem was that the implications that stubbles aren't appropriate for livestock and for the sheep sector in counties like yours and mine, um, in, where we're talking about Carlow, Kilkenny, Wexford, uh, up into Leash, uh, you know, down into Watford, there's a huge proportion, and Kildare too, a huge proportion of store lambs go on to uh, go on to stubbles after the harvest. And those store lambs come from all over the country. And later on in the year then, a lot of yoles go on to stubbles. And of course, it, it's good for the sheep because it brings them onto a clean, worm-free environment. It's good for the grassland that gets rest and it breaks the cycle of worms. Um, and the sheep are good for the stubbles as well. Or so most village farmers would always have believed of course, you have to manage them properly. And uh, the, the government have now moved. The minister uh, got on the pitch again this week and there has now been a change. So stubbles are appropriate for lieback while always uh, maintaining good ag- 
Agricultural and Environmental Condition, GAIAC. And the GAIAC uh, that was in question here was GAIAC 6, which is about soil management. And farmers would be asked, you know, if you're feeding uh, store lambs or hoggets or you're feeding yos with uh, with trucks or with in the case of store lambs with bins, you know, keep them on the move. Uh, make sure that gra- ground doesn't get into bad repair. Have high ground for wet weather available, um, and you know, m- mind it as best you can because uh, we have to be mindful that we have to maintain the soil because uh, if soil is in poor condition, it leaches uh, nutrients, um, and we lose soil as well into into our rivers and our waterways, and we can't have that. So. That's what's being watched, but thankfully sanity has prevailed. Uh, the threat, and it was a significant threat, I feel, to the sheep sector has been averted. Um, the minister and the department have moved swiftly and generously, and we have what we need, and I think that needs to be acknowledged because we do give the department a hard time when they fail to move to immediate, uh, or alleviate problems, and this time they have moved. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, that, that, that's Reality has, has, has set in, thank goodness for that. Just to move to the abstract for a moment, or slightly abstract, uh, Pat, and, and it's a scientific fact, whether it's biology or chemistry or f- f- physics, that food production requires the expenditure of carbon. So if we're to reach all these targets ultimately by 2050 or whenever, it won't be zero carbon, it'll be net zero carbon. There'll have to be balancing done, you know, in terms of, 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 uh, uh, either storing carbon or whatever, as well as reducing carbon output. So why is it that farmers are currently not going to be allowed to use, to, 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 to offset, uh, carbon with, uh, the installation of solar panels, for instance, or word, word, wind turbines or biomethane digest, digesters that they get no brownie points essentially for those? No, our forestry, it, as I understand it, it relates to the fact that we've signed up to the Kyoto Agreement rather than Paris, um, and the uh, the offsetting uh, of carbon is is not allowed. Um, we also have the complication of the separation of the land use land use change and forestry sector from uh, agriculture and food production. They will be united. Uh, in the next decade, and at that stage, we'll have something called AFALU, which is agriculture, forestry, and other land use. So we're going to have um, all of them brought together under the one umbrella, and hopefully there will be exchange allowed within the single sector then. And, of course, this week our front page story in the Farmer's Journal is in relation to moves to allow the trading of carbon. And there's no logic to allowing farmers to trade carbon credits would not use them themselves to offset their own production. So hopefully uh, we'll get movement on that. It is an evolving uh, science and it's an evolving issue. Um, and there's no real, um, I suppose, uh, there's nowhere in the world we can look for an example of where this is being done really well at the moment. Uh, we're going to have to work it out for ourselves. And I think that... The whole conversation around food production um, needs to acknowledge, as you say, that it's it, it's going to require inputs. It's going to require significant inputs. And the notion that we can have uh, food, you know, whether from labs 
or whether from land which is going to have no footprint um, it is impossible. We're going to have to have offsets of some description. And if we're going to zero carbon, and we have committed to go to zero carbon by 2050, offsets will be at the heart of that, I would think. And farmers are signing up, as you say, for they're signing up for solar farms, they're signing up for wind farms, they will be signing up for anaerobic digesters as soon as they become available, especially where you have pig and poultry units are, are hanging on waiting for them, I think. Uh, a lot of low-stock farms and farms where people are older um, could divert towards supplying feedstock, whether that's crops or grass, as well, which will be required as well as slurry to go to the anaerobic digesters. There's 200 large digesters planned by the end of the decade. There's no sign of them yet. Uh, we'll soon be halfway through the decade. And you know yourself, if you don't have underage herders coming through, you won't have a senior team by the end of the decade. And in the same way, I don't know where these anaerobic digesters are going to erupt from. There's no planning in place for digesters. Uh, there's no infrastructure. And, uh, you know, the clock is ticking. So uh, they will require over 200,000 hectares of feedstock, from, whether that be grass or crops, uh, on top of the slurry that will go in from, uh, from our livestock. So, uh, yeah, all evolving. Oh, we're, we're expected to go forward with one, if not two, hands tied behind our backs. Pat O'Toole, political correspondent with the uh, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. Just time for a quick trip to Tullow to talk to Eric about sheep prices. Another very large sale today in Tullow here with over uh, two and a half thousand sheep on offer. Looking to the trade there then, we'll start with the heavy lambs here. Holding is the way I put it on last week's prices, certainly no improvement here. Uh, looking at those weights then again, those 46 kilos up there selling there from 140 up to 155, 52 kilos mare making 155, with the majority there selling between 142 and 146. While well, you would see the lighter lambs then, we start with the lighter stores then, them 27, 28, 29, 30 kilo lambs here. They're selling there from the mid-70s up to 87, 88 euros. Good lively trade there for those clean yos and weather types, 80 kilo, 30 kilos or their prox. I would see the 32 to 35 and 6 kilos. They're selling there from the mid-80s up to the high 90s. And again, the quality yo and weather lots are pulling away from the ram lambs week by week here. I would see the 37s up to 41, 42 kilos. They're selling there from the mid-90s up to 110 and 12 euros for the store lives. With the fleshier 41, 42 two kilos they selling up to 120 124 and 5 there in some instances and a noticeable demand from the factory agents for those uh, lighter 42 43 44 kilo weights with flesh cash joes there no great change here in the cash joes here uh, heavy yos up to top call of 220 euros today uh, with lots of those store yos they're selling between 150 to 170 a kilo and while we will go down then to the brew joes there hoggett joes selling there from 170 to 230 differential in price also in quality there with the age Joe's there, genuine trees and four selling from one twenty up to uh, 180 there again differential in price and quality don't forget the mule sale on Saturday this coming Saturday that's Saturday the 2nd of September thank you now I'm heading down to Inishtig to uh, James Murphy James we spoke only a couple of weeks ago about uh, upcoming ram sales Sheep Ireland and uh, Kilkenny ram sale and so on and in the meantime, looks like uh, ram prices have gone through the roof. Is there a scarcity, or what's going on? Ah, uh, no, Matt. Um, uh, you could you could read maybe too much into the Sheep Ireland sale. Uh, um, the the Sheep Ireland guy on the night had flagged that this was a top end sale. 
Um, all the top figured rams in the country would be there, most of them anyway. Um, it's a, a very attractive sale when there was over 500 rams catalogued, all five stars. And as has been the trend over the last four, five, six years, um, buyers turned out in big numbers. A huge amount of them, interestingly, repeat buyers from the last few years. And there were um, eye-watering prices, uh, no doubt about it. The average across all 10 breeds was was uh, almost 800 euros. But again, you know, for the last hour saying, oh, God, you know, I'm not going to pay that for a ram. You don't have to. Um, you know, there were there were uh, prices on the day that were a lot more affordable than that. But this was the top rams in the country all going through the ring at a giant sale. And there were parked um, both sides of the entrance, two, three hundred yards down the road. There was a phenomenal crowd there. So, you know, um, it, it, it was a flyer, but it was but it was a one off. Having said that, James, having said that, uh, the ram is half the battle and, uh, you know, whatever you pay, you get, if you get quality, then you're, you're halfway there to producing good lambs. Well, it's interesting you say it because I spoke to, I, I had sheep there. I had eight, eight, eight rams myself and had a very, very good day. Uh, spoke to a lot of farmers that were coming into the pen. A lot of them I meet from year to year at that sale now, and more of them are saying that now, that they have confidence in the figures. Uh, they believe that if they're buying a top-end ram, a ram they like physically with with uh, top figures, that that ram is delivering for them. And a lot of them actually are, are saying nearly word for word what, what you've just said there now. The ram is half the flock. Uh, you know, so money spent uh, on a good ram is money well spent. So, look, I mean, I think possibly we're starting to see the emergence of of, of, of a new trend in the purchase of rams from from um, uh, commercial guys. But as you constantly remind us, um, with the prices that fellas are getting for the lambs uh, when they take them to the factory in the mart, maybe that a lot of lads must must be uh, um, um, forgiven for thinking it's hard to spend that kind of money on a ram. Now, speaking of that, where are we? And I, I heard Eric's report there. Where are we now in terms of lamb prices? Yeah, um, what I'm hearing, and Eric would have his finger more on the pulse than I have now, what I'm hearing is that we're still talking stability, much as we were two weeks ago. Um, interestingly, the market seems to have started to move forward in the UK. We usually track them. Uh, and, and one thing I am hearing from my own sources is that the, the, the nicely fleshed, uh, nicely rounded out uh, factory lamb is very much in demand. So if you're, if you're probably going to the extra cost of, 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 of putting some meal into your lambs, you've got them nicely fleshed. You've, you've certainly got a stronger, a stronger hand when it comes to, to, to marketing your lambs. Um, what I'm hearing basically is somewhere between six, 6.30 and 6.50 a kilo maybe a little bit more for very larger lots or for, for producer groups but somewhere in that in, in that region Yeah and of course it's not all about hitting the weight it's, it's confirmation as well they want to get those cuts off the off the lamb. Uh, tell me now George is in studio and he'll be talking about the, the upcoming ram sale but uh, there, there, there is a Kilkenny ram sale on next Monday yeah, yeah. Our, our first uh, Kilkenny pedigree breeders uh, uh, sale uh, we have on, on Monday um, uh, and, and we have uh, almost 50 rams catalogued uh, across four different breeds, mostly Charley and Suffolk, I would have to say, but a uh, couple of Texels there, a couple of Bell players there. All these rams, um, interestingly, we've decided this year for sale, every single ram of the sale will be uh, eligible for the SIS scheme. So, you know, if you're maybe if you generally if you don't always come to this sale, but you're in the market for an SIS RAM, 
uh, is possibly a sale you should go to. I, I, I know we'll have our own customers there anyway. They weren't that visible in Tullamore. Maybe wise men <laughs> said they'd wait for our sale and, and, and maybe get a bit more value. But look, um, uh, they'll be inspected on the way in. So that'll be a help to the lads that like to buy on the, on, on, online. And uh, our first sale, you'll have the first pull of the Rams out for a lot of lads. I said there'll be a lot of really, really good Rams at that sale. And the best of luck with that, James. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Thank now, you. Bye-bye. Now we're heading uh, to an ad break and we're back with George. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. KCLR Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for over 60 years. One diary item before I let George loose. Managing your farm business in a climate of change. That's the seminar being held up on Brendan Barry's farm up in Wayne Gap, uh, Chagask, in conjunction with the Bank of Ireland. Uh, that's happening next week on September the 6th, Wednesday next, September the 6th at 11am. And uh, should be a very, very interesting workshop. Now, George, Mart Report. And before that... Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Matthew, happy birthday to you. I was going to join in, but I think George just, you know, he he said too high a bar. This could be a very short March report. (laughs) Right, Matt, a bigger sale of cattle today, trade much sharper than um, last week was sharp, but this week was sharp, it was razor sharp. Heavy bullocks uh, appear to be scarce, which should help uh, in to steady the trade for those beef type. Quality lots for, from the suckler herd are making premium prices. You're talking about price ranges from 265 to 335 per kilo. So a booming sale today in Kilkenny. Six, uh, there were, what, 850 cattle on offer. So 600 kilo bullocks range from 2 euro, 285 per kilo. That's 1350 to 1925 per head. Five to 600 kilo bullock from 2 euro to 326 per kilo. 1020 to 1820 per head with a 4 to 500 kilo bullock from 180 to 335 per kilo 780 to 1520 per head. The best price there was for two limousines 435 kilo making 1400 euro. Under 400 kilo from 160 to 335 per kilo. That's a price range of 480 to 1370 per head. In the cow division a good sharp trade also. Frisian cull cows 115 to 210 per kilo continentals from 160 to 285 per kilo. Heifer division, uh, two euro to two eight five for the beef heifers, a price range of thirteen fifty to nineteen twenty five per head. Four store heifers from two twenty to three fifteen per kilo. That's a thousand euro to thirteen hundred euro per head. And the lighter type from one eighty to three oh five per kilo, or from five twenty to eleven seventy per head. So Matt, we're back to the booming times. We're back to Frisians making into two forty, uh, two forty per kilo. So all in all, it's uh, it's a it's a fair a fair setup. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see prices holding up well. And uh, the only thing you can say about beef prices at the moment is they seem to have at least stabilised. And the numbers are back. Uh, in 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 and the, the kill is back considerably uh, week by week, but also year to date. That eventually, I hope, has to impact and drive up prices. I would think so, Matt. And uh, as I said, uh, it would look as though if if they want if they want cattle now, they have to increase things. Uh, you were talking to uh, James Murphy there about the sheep, and I was at the Sheep Ireland sale, an amazing sale. As I said, not too many sales would attract five hundred and twenty sheep, and maybe that's the recipe of it. Maybe the fact that farmers go because they have a huge selection there. 
to choose from and that was a very very good trade indeed uh, The on uh, Monday next we have our sheep sale and uh, last week uh, we had a disappointing price for them 50 kilo lambs because uh, if they dack flesh uh, the best there would be 142 but if they really fleshy lamb 55 kilo made 157 on on uh, Monday in Kilkenny so butcher lambs from 138 to 157 per head the factory type from 120 to 142 per head and the store lamb from 78 to 117 euro per head Cast Jews from 75 to 145 per head. And Hoggett Jews from 190 to with due lands from 95 to 130 per head. As I said, Monday next, sheep sale kicking off at 10.15, including breeding news. Uh, that special ram sale that uh, J- and this catalogue's available in the office. So in your, if you're in the region of Killen Hill tomorrow, pop into the office, you get a catalogue for that sale, and that kicks off at 1pm. Uh, we've also, of course, uh, Thursday or next, our, our general cattle sale. And just one thing I've been told that there's a, a number of marts who are not in competition with us that are offering free transport. If you're a customer of Kilkenny Mart, there's no need to go any further because we attract... The, uh, and seriously though I don't think you'd have a, m- as many buyers as we get in Kilkenny you do have a big selection there and uh, free transfer is not much good if you don't sell your animals and next uh, Saturday I'm in Ross Grey a super limousine sale pedigree limousines there uh, in Ross Grey next Saturday take a look at that it's worth having a look some exceptional heifers on offer and of course our cattle sale on next Thursday and um uh, Matt, before the end of September, um, uh, we're, we're sort of halfway through because the plough match is going to come in between. We will have that special night, which will be the distribution of the funds. And if people want to contribute still for the Carlicle Kenny Home Care team, uh, etc. And more about that anon. But if you still want to contribute, I'd be glad of your support. Absolutely. And uh, we all concur with that. Hugely uh, deserving causes. And uh, well done, George to you for well not a bit Matt as I said it's, it's over I'm only, I'm only the mouthpiece it's a bar the people who, who contribute and have been very very generous and in fairness uh, farmers and I, I don't want to impinge into our hamper appeal which is another thing but one fun thing about the hamper appeal Matt of course you get something for your book you know whereas here it's a natural contribution and the reason we're getting it Matt you know well every house has been affected by cancer and it's some little help people were never found wanting for worthy causes exactly, George and I exactly. think that will be reflected in the response to you your, your your appeal, your your call out. George, just before we go on, I'm not about to criticise people for having their own agendas or whatever, but um, this thing about eat less meat, it, it, it compares to me in glibness with the statement, fly less. Yes. Eat less than what? Nobody seems to be saying this. Fly less than what? Say if I fly 10 times a year and you fly one time a year, do you get to fly once every second year and I fly five times a year? Like, it's, it's meaningless drivel. If I eat a kilo of meat a day, which would be an awful lot of meat, I grant you, or I eat, or I eat 100 grams a week, what does eat less meat mean in that context? These are just glib, throwaway remarks that make people feel good. Matt, 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 there's so many of them going out at the moment. It's absolutely... It It would look as though there is a concerted effort to do down agriculture, to do down farming per se. And I feel, you know what's our main danger here? We have an expanding population. We have an expanding world population. And they all need to be fed. People are forgetting that. It's all very well to cut back on cows, to cut back on this. But who's going to feed the starving nations if you're not producing the food? And as I regularly say to you, if we can turn a low value, 
uh, feed carbohydrate grass into a high quality food protein then I think we're doing the right thing. We have it, Matt. We have it. We have it on our doorstep. We know you, uh, in other countries, you see these massive sheds and uh, pollution, etc. from those sheds. You know, there's runoff, all the rest of it. And we have the basics here. We have the grass base. And let's start fighting on our corner. And let's get the message out there that we are producing an absolutely green product that deserves a premium price, which unfortunately, Matt, isn't happening. George, I won't, I won't get personal with you, but you took a few days wandering around the southwest and the west and out to the islands, I think. It really does open your eyes as to the importance of livestock farming in rural Ireland. Oh, it do, does indeed. And I, I, I was, I was in one of the small islands, in each man, I think it was, and I was counting animals, I think. <laughs> I counted about 60 animals on that island, etc. Some very nice cattle also. Uh, but as I said, it does. And it shows you what a country we have. And it does an awful... Let's explore our country. Maybe next year, if you're thinking of going foreign, go have a, have a look around, around Ireland because we're missing. We're missing out big time. And we're missing awful lot of attractions out there. Mind you, the br- journey across on the boat wasn't too. Thank God. All I can say is I took my seasickness tablets. I'm glad you're fully recovered. My thanks to Martin for producing and engineering what little hair he has has fallen out with the <laughs> with with the problems with technology for me Matt O'Keefe until next week farm well farm safely good night and goodbye The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com.